for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hey everyone, welcome to today's episode of Raw Recovery with Dion Miller. I'm your host, Dion Miller, and uh, today uh, we have uh, David on the show, David F. Um, and I met David, actually, well, I've seen you around here and there, but lately I've been getting to know you on some Zoom meetings. We're all in, we're all doing corona, the coronavirus pandemic isolation thing, and um, you know, we've really gotten to know each other, and I really love what you've been saying in the meetings. I'm pretty excited to have you on. How are you doing today, David? Welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dion. I, I'm grateful to be here. Thank you. Certainly. Um, so, uh, you know, we come on here, and uh, we can share our experience, strength, and hope through our stories. Um, so let's uh, let's get started with yours. You want You want to get started on telling your story? Sure. Thank you. Uh, I'm Dave. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Hi, David. Hi. Um, so my days of alcohol and drug addiction started in uh, basically 1969. Okay. Uh, and they started from uh, the roots of watching my late mother being beaten by her second husband. Okay. At the time I was 12 and this happened in 1968. Okay. And, you know, I jumped on this monster's back trying to flail on the guy. He tossed me off like a fly and turned his anger on me and beat me to an inch of death. Wow. Um, yeah. So, the next year in 69, as you can well imagine, uh, those were very heady years. Oh, yeah. Summer of love. Mm hmm So uh, everywhere around me was change, revolution, mm -hmm. uh, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yep. I started to play guitar in 1966. Wow. In 1968, I was very blessed to have parents that knew this gentleman's management. His name was Glenn Campbell. He <laughs> has passed. Mm -hmm. And I was fortunate enough to have six guitar lessons from him in 1968. You know, uh, these cost $40 an hour. And back in 68, Dion, that was a lot of money. That'd be, that'd be closer to 3000 bucks. Now. No, not quite that much. More about okay. 150. Okay. Yeah, about 150. <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. I'm going to take yeah, those. No, no, no. <laughs> no, just add a couple extra zeros. <laughs> so he taught me a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was very blessed to have that connection. Uh, so my, my alcoholism and drinking situations really started to kick in forced by the age of 14. 
I was, it was 1970 by then. I had dabbled with pot and a little bit of drinking in 69. Uh, the drinking, believe it or not, didn't do so well for me. I didn't hold alcohol well. Huh. Uh, but I did try, and it sort of accelerated a bit in the very early 70s. That being the case, I went to high school at a place, Beverly Hills High School, which had an unbelievable sense of you had to have an identity. Okay. Okay. And this was even more apparent than when I was going to grade school. When I was in grade school, it was the same kind of situation. Um, I had some people that I won't really say who they are, but they're famous people uh, sitting just a couple feet, three feet from me. Um, just one of them since she's passed was a very dear friend of mine. Her name was Carrie Fisher. And she was uh, in the row right next to me in 1968, 69 in my home class. But I won't get into names. It, they're all, we're all the same. Yeah. She was a very good friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of these kind of people. The point is that there was an incredible pressure, Dion, to have an identity. Okay. You had to be something, either yeah. a sports person or you had to look a certain way. Yeah. I was a 13 year old, 12 year old, yeah. pimple faced, braces wearing, <laughs> big eared <laughs> geek. So. I didn't have a lick of sports coordination, even though I could play softball and baseball well sure. and wrestling too, but uh, no, it wasn't my thing. Yeah. So I woodshedded and became a guitarist, and actually I became a full musician, uh, an L.A. studio musician. Wow, how fun. Mm -hmm. uh, getting down to it a little further, as the... 70s progressed, my high school years from 1970 through 1974. Okay. These were very intense times. Okay. You had the Vietnam War. Yep. You had the Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. You had revolution in the air. You had sex. You had drugs. You had uh, all sorts of political issues going down, mm -hmm. like Watergate and whatnot. So many of us were completely at odds to make sense of this crazy, crazy world. Mm -hmm. And the drinking and drugging allowed me to anesthetize my feelings, okay. my emotions. Yep. In 1973, we were playing a party up in a place called Coldwater Canyon in northern Beverly Hills. Okay. And I had walked into the restroom of this very fancy house owned by a, a doctor, mm -hmm. a well-to-do doctor, to do some cocaine. Yep. On the floor was a guy that I had just seen earlier in the day in my PE class. Oh, wow. This cat had a needle sticking out of his arm. Uh -huh. His eyes were rolled up into his head. His lips were blue. His nails were blue. 
he was dead from a heroin overdose. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, holy fuck. So heroin really scared me. Yeah. Thank God. Thank, thank God I didn't go that direction. Because if I did, knowing me, I would have been a flat out addict. Yeah. I'd be dead if I would have found that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we now get to the point where we're in the mid 70s and I get very sick. Okay. I have testicular cancer. It's wow. November 1976. The cancer was very aggressive and had moved to my lymph node system. Okay. It was heading straight to my heart. The doctors wow. told me at that time, if it keeps moving at this rate, you will be dead within two days. Mm -hmm. So I had very heavy surgeries, two of them. And then starting January 1977 for a whole year, they gave me chemotherapy with uh -huh. a drug called adriamycin, okay. along with bliamycin. Okay. They didn't know what adriamycin could do to you yet, Dion. Yeah. But that drug kills hearts. Yeah. We didn't have clinical studies on that drug until 1984, seven okay. years into the future, okay? Because yeah. everyone was saying, Fresh, why don't you sue the docs who gave that to you? Well, if I didn't have that, I would have been dead probably by 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's reality. So they gave me this drug for a whole year, every two weeks, nonstop. Today, they don't even use this drug. No. Uh -uh. So to be talking to you after that alone was unreal. Yeah. I finally went into the most horrific depression after all of this. Yeah. So from 78 until, I should say, the end of 77 into the very beginning of 79, I was in a clinical depression. Okay. I had stopped pot and drinking. Okay. Thinking that God had given me cancer uh -huh. because I was doing drugs and having sex. Yeah. Unbelievable. But this was alcoholic thinking. I didn't sure. know this at that time. No, you didn't. I just thought I'd lost my mind. Uh-huh. So I forgot how to read. I forgot how to do arithmetic. Mm -hmm. I forgot how to write. Wow. And I had to go all the way back because before I got sick, I was going to Cal State Northridge in the Valley, San Fernando Valley, studying business administration with a marketing option. Mm. I lost my mind due to all of this depression. Mm -hmm. Finally, with the help of a very good therapist and my beloved late mother and my father and family, I regained my character of strength mm -hmm. strength of character i should say and i started up at west la college taking classes in arithmetic wow learning how to do addition and subtraction mm -hmm. multiplication division fractions percentages as though i was in third grade yeah i learned how to read and write again when i had enough confidence in 1980 of september I resumed my Cal State Northridge studies in business. Wow, good. 
What I also resumed was partying. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and so I went right back to where I used to be. I went right back into smoking weed and hash and taking mushrooms and just party animal, yeah. total party animal. And this proceeded for a while. And finally, I got to a point. It was December 17th, 1985. I had received some money from a couple of sources. Okay. And all of a sudden in 85 after April, I had quite a bit of money. Okay. So what that did is it accelerated my use of cocaine dramatically. Yep. Mm -hmm. December 17th, 1985 started with me waking up in the morning about 5.30, having two elephant malt beers. Mm-hmm smoking some weed, going to school, and coming home about 12-ish. Okay. That day, up until 1.30 in the afternoon, I had ended up snorting six grams of cocaine. Wow. Insane. That I had never done stuff like this in my life. Mm -hmm. But I was consumed with all sorts of feelings. Okay. I looked at myself in the mirror at about 1.30 in the afternoon that day, buddy. And I was crying. And I said, I want this blanket removed from my heart. I want the old David back. Yeah. That was 11 and 10 years old. So I picked up my phone and I called my dad. Mm -hmm. I said, Dad, I have a problem. He goes, I know. Yeah. He said, what do you want to do about it, David? I said, I have a six-week break from Cal State Northridge coming yep. up for Christmas starting tomorrow, which was uh, a Saturday. He said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I'm going to drive over to your house, and I'm going to leave my car there, mm -hmm. and I'm going to check myself in at 6 a.m. with you to Cedar Sinai Care Unit for a 30-day lockdown program. Yep. It was the very best thing I ever did in my life. Mm -hmm. I have remained sober. And so today, at this point, it's 34 years and four months. <laughs> wow. It's a day at a time. Yes, it is. Yeah. So I sponsor guys. I've sponsored ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, Today, as I mentioned, is the anniversary of my heart transplant 13 years ago, yeah. which was due to the fact of that chemotherapy drug yeah. in 1977. Mm -hmm. So it's a miracle to be here, man. Over these 13 years, I have reached out to help people, many people, through music, writing this book is called The Healthcare Consumer Primer. The CDs, one is called Fresh Life, one is called A Pearl of a Moment. Um, and I've met many fabulous people. I have friends all over the country who are musicians who, yeah. some of them are well-known folks who will say, Fresh, we need help. Yeah. 
so they call me. Yeah. And I just do what I can. Good. It doesn't matter what your line of business is. Yeah. What your career. We're all human beings. That's it. And I, I really think that a lot of actors and musicians and stuff, people put them on this other plane, which, first of all, just doesn't need to be done. They're just as human as everyone else. They're not, they're not any different. It's just a lot more people know who they are. And that's really the only difference. But I feel like sometimes they get slighted a little bit because they are who they are. Um, and everybody should have the same chance available to them when they come into the program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think working, working, with, working with that kind of industry is highly important. And anymore, I mean, I don't know, I don't know about other states, but it seems like here in Colorado, venues don't tolerate bands and the partying and stuff up on stage anymore. No, if you want to lose a job, come on stage drunk. Yeah. Or loaded, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in the days, like when I was growing up in Dion, mm -hmm. it was a different world. Yeah. It was part and parcel of the way we all lived. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I lived in Beverly Hills, so two and a half miles away was the Roxy the whiskey, the rainbow. I mean, the cats that I knew, I won't even name names, but you can only imagine who they were. Yeah. Right? And uh, these guys were no different than us. No. None. I don't care what you think, you know, or how successful they were. Yeah. They were regular cats. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll tell you one guy I spoke to at length was Pete Townsend. Who yeah. He was one of my idols. And, uh, it was in 1965, December, when they released their first album. Okay. My Generation. So yeah. I was, like, taken by it. And the next year, I was playing guitar. Yeah. Wow. But Townsend, uh, I could relate to the guy. One, he had a big nose like me. <laughs> <laughs> and two, he had an incredible sense of self-doubt. Okay. Incredible sense of and you would think so, yeah. You would never think so. But one night we were drinking, and we were drink I was drinking gin and tonics, and he was drinking brandy. And we were at the Rainbow. And, man, we bonded. And I thought, fuck, man, here's, here's my fucking idol. Right? Mm -hmm. He's no different than anyone that I've ever met on the street. Yeah. And the music that he writes, along with a number of these people, touches my heart in a very mm -hmm. different way. Mm -hmm. So when I write songs, I write them for people, not for record companies. Yeah. And I will never do that. And so today my purpose is twofold, to be of service and to be helpful to people. Yeah. And to teach children and adults music in whatever possible way that I can. I've worked for the city of Aurora as their guitar and bass instruction for the last two and a half years. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, uh, I because I really think that music and the arts are an excellent outlet for for kids. I mean, I'm in a band and I have my nieces in it, um, and you know, it's a family project that we do together. They mm -hmm. they have some talent, but 
we we are having a lot of fun together we're creating things um we're getting and we're getting to we're getting to know each other on a different level so i don't have you know your regular uncle niece relationship um you know i really want them to have every chance that they can and just the fact that i'm available to do that is a miracle it's a blessing it's a blessing you're in their life yeah it wasn't and it wasn't long ago i mean they saw me when i was drinking there was uh they used to come over for the uh for uh new year's we'd always take them for new year's and uh there was one year i'd been drinking the neighbor came over he's knocking on our door he's like can you guys keep it quiet i'm like it's new year's no and i told him yeah i pretty much told him to fuck off (laughs) you know and my nieces remember that and i don't know that i you know they're like yeah my uncle do you know but for me it's like you know (laughs) i don't really know that i want my nieces to think of me that way um so it took me a little bit of time and you know and availability so they get to know me better and realize that uh that what i did was inappropriate wow so you know um and then we just do the next right thing um ask me anything you want um well for some reason well i'd like to actually go over how people can get a hold of your cds okay um well currently i only have a few left but i do have to order some more um they are on amazon okay and one of the CDs, if they were to go to CDs, David Freshman. Okay. There's two CDs. One is called Fresh Life, which is actually out of print, but they can get the digital recordings okay. on Amazon. And the other one is A Pearl of a Moment, also on Amazon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, what I'm going to do so that people don't have to write it down is I'll go ahead and post it uh when i put this oh, up you. too so that people would like to go check that out well you know for me and i know a lot of people really use music i got hooked on a song by joe walsh put out a song one day at a time when he got sober yeah that's a great song. song um you know and we could sit here and talk about people after people but for some reason when i think uh you know because i was an 80s kid i was born in 1970 and I was an 80s kid, so, you know, we had the hair bands and things like that. But I remember when Steven Tyler got sober. And he just, it, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I've always kind of, I've always been curious about it. But it seemed like then he went through all the other bands and started to get everybody sober. Um, and it kind of became a thing amongst the hair bands, you know, with Rat and Motley Crue and, you know, even even Zeppelin and everybody started hopping on this bus of, hey, we don't need, we don't need this. And we're actually, you know, we are actually hurting ourselves by coming up on stage. We're hurting our art. Mm-hmm. And true. I think exactly that was a, true. Yeah, it was a huge thing. Now, now Steven Tyler is opening up homes for, what is it called, Jane's House for um, mm-hmm. people that are abused. Um, and I just love it when these, um, you know, when, when, when these artists go out and take what they have and give it back so freely. That's when I like to see it. 
you know, when you pass, Dion, it doesn't matter what assets you have in regards to bank, money, right. house, cars, job. My belief is, my friend, did you make someone laugh? Mm -hmm. Did you bring some joy into their life? Yep. Did you help another human being in some regard? Mm -hmm. um, one of the hardest things that I struggled with, and I still do occasionally, is when I lost my career in healthcare, I felt like a boat without a rudder. Mm -hmm. I thought, fuck. And I had been doing that when I had to stop working. I had been working for 39 years in my life. I'm almost 64. And I'm like, what the fuck do I do? So I met with a therapist. Mm -hmm. He said, David, go back to your original passion. Yep. Music. So I did. And my father, one day when I was laying in uh, University Hospital, critically ill, with blood septicemia from an infection from an mm -hmm. internal hernia, my fifth one, he said, David, you need to write a book on healthcare. Mm -hmm. Took me three years, but I did. On my first CD, there's a song, the 13th song, it's called Cody. Okay. It's written for the man whose heart I have, Cody St. John. Wow. Okay. That song has sold over $3,400 worth of MP3 sales. Awesome. For his foundation. Yeah. yeah. I gave them all the rights. Mm -hmm. to that song. Yeah. So, you know, you never can tell how you're helping someone. Absolutely. You, know, you just don't know. You, you really don't. Um, you know, that, that reminds me because, you know, we need to go through our day because really what it, what it comes down to is I'm trying to help somebody each day. Because you know, that's what we have is just we have right now. That's you know the only thing that's going on right now in my life is David and Dion are talking. That's the only thing that's happening. Um, but since I was very young, when I was seventeen, I I came up with this idea, and I'm almost fifty now, and I still do it, and it seems to work very well. But what I do is I try and make one person a day laugh, <laughs> which isn't too. That doesn't seem too hard. But there is one rule behind it, and that is it can never be the same person twice. So after a while, you're going to run out of family members. You're going to run out of friends. And then you have to start opening up to the cashier where you're buying cigarettes or getting a soda or walking by. So, you know, oh, crap, it's 9 o'clock at night. I better make somebody laugh. And you have to put yourself out there. Um, and you can really learn a lot just by doing something for somebody else with no expectation, just to make them happy. That's all you want for them. And people can feel it when you, when you do it and you mean it. You want to know four of the most powerful words that you can say to a human being? What's that? I care about you. Yeah. Those are, and a lot of people forget these simple things. Do you mm -hmm. know? They, People like us are very intelligent. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. And we can make this fucking thing so complex 
that we're locked into our own little box. Yeah. But when we remember that as human beings, we all deal with the same pain. Mm -hmm. One of the problems between women and men, many times men will look at a woman as a object. Yes. The fact is she has the same exact emotions, mm -hmm. fears, desires, elations, as any man, mm -hmm. they get horny, they get sad, mm -hmm. they get happy, they get fearful. Sure. So a lot of guys, when they go on these dates or they're with their partner, they tend to forget all of this. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing they forget is to give respect, listen, compromise, and to care. Yeah. And that also translates into how we as alcoholics and addicts would be beneficial to leading our own lives, which mm -hmm. I try and do. Sometimes sure, sure. I fall short. I'm human. Yeah. But if I make a mistake, I say, Lord, I slipped on the slippery slope. Mm -hmm. Help me up, please. Yeah. Well, our thoughts and our actions need to go with, with God constantly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it's not too tough. I mean, you know, before I speak at a meeting or I come on and do something like this or speak with a client or I'm, I'm going to do anything. Um, it's just real quick. Hey God, this one's yours and everything, you know, and it's cool because now my life is non-scripted and mm -hmm. I just get to, I get to enjoy the new things that come along each day, even the ones that are uncomfortable. I now get to enjoy those because I know that God's got my back and that nothing is going, not, there's absolutely nothing so wrong today that I need to convert back to being a, uh, back to my old behavior, let alone drinking. I mean, heck, I can slip into old behavior without drinking. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think those are some really great points. Great. Well, I appreciate you being on. Um, this Thank has been you. a great talk. I really do Thank appreciate it. Um, I'll send okay. you a couple of songs on Facebook to your messenger. Sounds good. And, I, and if you don't mind, I'm going to share the probably share those on trudging together on the trudging. Together. Oh, I would love it, man. I would okay. love it. So if anybody, it. anybody that's listening, if you want to go listen to those, um, just head on over to the trudging together group and, uh, and give a listen. <laughs> Right on. Thank you very okay. much. It, yeah. it has been fun having you on here. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better. Um, we have a pretty good time here. Too. Um, I think what's great about your story is, you know, even, even going through uh, medical, because you went through a lot of medical stuff, God always had you taken care of. So it was, you know, it, it, your story was like, it sounded like God setting you up, even in the times that were hard, it sounded like God kept setting you up to be the person that you are today. And I thought that was a really neat thing on how it worked out. Well, that, you know, those people, you know, he shouldn't have given you those drugs. You should go sue them. No, they did the right thing. It led me here. And, you know, your thought process, process was on that was fantastic. And it just shows us out here that no matter what's gone on in our past or what's going on now, if we want 
to be in the sunlight of the spirit, God will have us no matter what. So that is correct, my friend. And, and I thank everybody for being here today um, and listening. Uh, we'll be back again. I will be doing another episode uh, Saturday. So I'd love to hear this sometime. That sounds wild. Uh, which one? What we just talked about. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to get a copy of it here. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you, everybody. That always makes people laugh. Pull yeah. my finger. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Have a great day. Peace out. Love you. And have a day. <laughs>